my life. You ever use the word mine? I mean, we, we, we learn this word at a really early age, don't we? You know, a couple of kids are playing and the kid suddenly walks over, picks up the toy and says, mine. Then a bigger kid walks over to him and takes the toy and says, mine. <laughs> and then my grandkids say, Grandpa, give us back the toy. But uh, <laughs> that's a true story. <laughs> You, you hear it in, in nurseries, mine. You hear it in schools, mine. At your office, that's mine. You even hear it at church, mine. And this mine mentality, it, it's got a life all its own. It kind of evolves over time. And then it becomes my rights, my stuff, my way or the highway. And then it morphs into me, 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 me. It's all about me. It works for me. You know, what about me? What's in it for me? I don't care because it doesn't affect me. That's someone else's problem. I'm just watching out for number one, me. And I, and I find it interesting that this me, my mentality is... It's something we don't like in other people, right? But, but if we're honest, if we're all honest for a moment, your me, my mentality doesn't bother you near as much as your neighbor's me, my mentality, right? The, the fact is, that's absolutely true. It, it just gets, it gets in our head. Mine. And I find it interesting that that mentality... It covers everything just about. It's my life. It's my house. It's my car. It's my stuff. It's my money. It's my vocation. It's my body. It's my right. It's my choice. I can do whatever I want. Mine. And that mentality just kind of takes over. And I believe we live in a culture that is just overrun. I mean, it is permeated, our, our culture. One of the core problems, I, I think, in our society is this mine mentality. You know, there's one area where this me, mine mentality comes to a screeching halt. I mean, fewer and fewer people are willing to lay claim and say, it's my responsibility. Drive a car, spill coffee in your lap, overeat, you know, put on a little weight because you've eaten way too many cheeseburgers, run a red light, get in a wreck, don't take responsibility for it, blame it on someone else, sue them, you know, turn, turn the tables, get fired at work, because of poor performance or not, you just don't show up. Fail a class because you don't study or you get caught cheating. Drowned in debt because you decided that you could have 10 credit cards and max them out. Don't take responsibility for it. Blame someone else. And it's the one area where the me-my mentality takes a shift. It's not my fault. It's someone else's. 
And it would be a little comical if it wasn't so critical. I mean, in those moments when, when you pause and look at it, it changes everything. I mean, the, this kind of mentality has begun to rule. And, and you think about it, because of that mentality, ethics have changed in our society. Morality changes. Everything changes. And this isn't some philosophical uh, concept that's way out there that really doesn't affect us. The fact is, it's changing our world. It's creating a new standard. This me-my mentality is even infiltrating the Christian walk. It creates a brand new ethic, I believe, where we begin to say, but doesn't God want me to be happy? You know, I know I, I shouldn't leave. I know I should break off the other relationship. I know what the Bible says, but doesn't God want me to be happy? You know, I know I shouldn't cheat. I know I shouldn't steal. But doesn't God want me to be happy? And this mentality just takes over where it's my accomplishments, my fulfillment, my desires, my happiness is first and foremost. And this is where things get twisted, I think. You've got to step back from it and look at the price tag we're paying as a society. And I mean, we're paying a high price tag. You look at our homes, our marriages, our friendships, our communities, even our country, and the stakes are higher than they've ever been, I believe. You know, we're starting this series, MySpace, and what, what I want to do is get a handle on this me-my mentality, because I think God has a lot to say on, on this subject, and you have to know up front that I'm going to challenge you, because I believe at some point in your Christian walk... You have to decide, you have to take a stand and decide whether you are going to go in the direction of culture and buy into this M&M candy-coated mentality that says mine, or whether you're going to move God's way. You know, God has a better way. And... The weeks to come, what I want to do is kind of melt down that Eminem mentality. And I want us to redesign MySpace, okay? And when I talk about MySpace, I'm talking about your space, MySpace, everyone, everyone's space. And the fact is that you have to answer a, a fundamental question that, that we're going to keep wrestling with. And that question is, where are you going to look for direction in your life. You're going to look to culture, TV, you know, maybe Oprah, maybe a rock star, movie star, government. Where are you going to look to get your cues? Because I think God's got a better way. The Old Testament, uh, there's a guy by the name of Solomon. He was the son of David. He was the third king of Israel. And in 1 Kings, he has this conversation with God. And apparently God had been watching him for, for a while and realized he, he was, really had a good heart. And so God went to Solomon and he said, Solomon, you know, I've been watching you. I've been paying attention to you. And you can have one thing. What do you want? Talk about open-ended. You, you can have fame. You can have pleasure. 
You could have power, position. What do you want? And you know what Solomon asked for? Wisdom. And God's heart, I believe, was thrilled when he said wisdom. In fact, if you pick up the story in chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says, I will give you what you asked for. I, I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. In other words, Solomon, the wisest guy that ever walked the planet, says, these are the things I want. And he wrote a whole book, the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be kind of blasting through that book in this series, but he deals with all kinds of things that he became wise on. You know, he got wisdom when it came to, to money and sex and power and family and friends and career and fame. All these things, he, he gives you kind of a bird's eye view or a sky view of my space from God's place. Proverbs 4, verses 7 and 8 says, Getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Whatever else you get, get insight, love wisdom, and she will make you great. In other words, wisdom is imperative, and you have to buy into this part as we move through, and that is that God can give us a handle on, on my space, that God has a better way, that if you are going to transition from my space and give God his place, you've got to make some changes. Now, because I know we're all me-oriented, some of you are sitting there going, yeah, 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 but what's in it for me? Right? Well, the best life has to offer. Ah, now I got your attention. Hmm. I, Wisdom, wisdom is something that we have to buy in on. And I'm not talking about knowledge. I'm not talking about uh, information because we are the most informed people to ever walk this planet. We, we are on information overload. You know, I believe you can know a lot and be an educated fool. I believe you can have every degree under the sun and not be wise. I mean, just watch talk. TV sometime, you know, some talk show and some expert in an area, and you're just going, what is, what is with them? You know, you can have a high IQ and make dumb decisions. So it's not knowledge. It's not IQ. It's not even common sense. It's more, and so I want to define what I'm talking about when I say wisdom because it, it's imperative that you buy into this. Wisdom is seeing and responding to my space from God's perspective. In other words, it's an attitude and an action. It's a skill that I believe we can develop in our, in our walk with God. And here, here's the problem, I believe. We rarely look at my space or my life from God's perspective. We rarely do that. Proverbs 14, uh, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a person. What's it say? But in the end, it's death. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I, I just do what feels right. 
You know, I, I just go with my natural inclination. Friends, that'll mess you up in life. Because there are many times it feels right, and then you get hit by a truck. You know, it, it seems right, but in the end, it takes life away. It's a dead end. You ever, you ever been on a trip? Probably with, like, your husband, or especially if a guy's behind the wheel, and you make a wrong turn, and then you still keep going, and you don't stop, and pretty soon you go, you know what? I think we made a wrong turn somewhere. So you, you find out you've spent a lot of time on the road. You're going nowhere. I think a lot of people live life that way. They're, they're going nowhere, and they're going fast. They're not wise. They've boxed God out. My space, my life, mine, 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 mine. And, and let me ask a me question, okay? What will it do for me if I let God have his place in my space? Well, listen to the proverb, Proverbs 3, verses 15 to 18. It says, wisdom is more valuable than precious jewels. Nothing you could want can compare with it. Wisdom offers you, here we go, long life as well as wealth and honor. It can make your life pleasant and lead you safely through it. Those who become wise are happy. That's what wisdom will do for you. I I think it'll do more for us than we realize. It'll give you a long life. It'll give you wealth, maybe not financial wealth, but it, it will make your life rich It'll give you pleasure. gives you security. It even says, ultimately, if you're wise, it'll give you happiness in your life. And God says, you know what? All these are wrapped up in a thing called wisdom. In other words, tap into it. You know, the book of Proverbs, it's a book full of wisdom. There are all kinds of, uh, if you jump through the book and take a look, there are things like Proverbs 26, 21 says, a quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as a match sets fire to paper. That's true, isn't it? That's a good thing to know. I mean, you ever known someone that they're always, no matter where they're at, their fights, their fights break out. And it's like a match to paper. (sighs) They start fires. It's good to know. It's good to understand that uh, about people. You know, Proverbs 15.15 says, when a person is gloomy, everything seems wrong. When they're cheerful, everything seems right. It says, you know, a wise person understands that attitude affects everything. Is that true? Do you believe that? I mean, if, if I am down about everything and I've got a bad attitude, then it comes back at me. If I get a positive attitude, no matter what the obstacles are, you begin to find happiness. You begin to find a, a way, an avenue, an opportunity. And when you understand that and apply it, it pays in sky-high dividends. Some, some of the, the proverbs are uh, humorous. You know, I like the one, bless a neighbor with a loud voice early in the morning, and it will be taken as a curse. I had a roommate in college. He would stay out all night partying. He'd roll in about an hour before I got up. I was not a cheerful voice in his life. Some of the Proverbs are very graphic. Uh, in Proverbs twelve twenty, it says, One who keeps malice harbors a viper in his or her heart. 
In other words, if you take and you nurse grudges, you walk around with a lot of resentment about something that's happened or, or your life, it's like a poisonous snake in your life, and it poisons your heart bit by bit. You know, some of them are practical. You know, I like God's words just so, so clear sometimes, but chapter 20, verse 4 of Proverbs, it says, if you won't plow when it's the season, then you won't eat at harvest. Any questions on that one? Attaining wisdom is better than getting a fortune. It's better than someone giving you a bunch of jewels. It'll produce for you a long life, honor, esteem, wealth, peace, all these things that that we are jockeying for in our life. In fact, I believe if you rearrange your life around a thing called wisdom, it pays sky-high dividends. I believe it gives you the life that's way beyond your wildest imagination. How many of you believe that? Seriously. You know, that wisdom, God's wisdom, can change things. And and what I want to do today, and I'm just kind of setting this up so that we can talk in detail through this series, but I want to talk about how do you take those first steps toward wisdom? Proverbs 1, seven says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of God. If you want to get smart, if you want to get a handle on my space, if you want to become wise, get a, get a handle on this thing called life, we've got to acknowledge God in our life. And by that, I'm talking about that we understand that there's a God that is powerful, a God that is personal. A God that is head over heels in love with you and interested in you. A God that extends grace and forgiveness through through Jesus Christ on on a regular basis. A God that, that is saying to you, you know what? I can help you with this thing called life. I can help you with this MySpace. You know, I can help you make life work if, if you give me my place. In your space. And I know some of you, when you talk about life being a mess, and we've all got stuff, some of you are really tempted to go, you know what? Things in my space, I I understand they're out of kilter. I understand that they're a mess, but I'm going to change. I'm going to change. I am going to get a self-improvement plan. I'm going to put it back together. I'm going to make better choices in the future. I'm going to change my space, my way, with my strength. Because it sounds American. Sounds biblical, but it's not. In fact, I want to give you a heads up. If If that's your game plan, and that's how you're going to get a handle on the messes and the the problems in your life, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. If you're going to get a handle on life, if you're going to start cleaning up the messes in your life, the first thing that you have to do is take a step toward God and give God a place. Even if it's little, give God a place in your space. You know, I was talking to a woman the other day, and she was kind of 
unloading and telling me about the mess that her, her life was in. And I'll be honest, it was a very emotionally charged conversation. You know, there were a lot of tears, uh, a lot of guilt, a lot of regret for, for some of the pain and hurt she'd caused her family and, and herself. And as she was telling me about everything, by her admission, okay, this is her admission, I didn't make the judgment call, but she said, I have made a lot of bad choices and decisions, and that my foolish impulses have just messed up my life, just messed it up. And when she finally paused, I agreed with her. You know, and I said, you know, I've been listening to you, and you're right. The messes you have, most of them you've created. And they're really, it's nothing more than an accumulation of really bad choices, foolish decisions, one after another after another in your life. And I said, you are absolutely right. Your life's a mess. That's the encourager in me. <laughs> but then I shifted and said, you know what? Today, right now, you can make a smart choice. And you can make a choice that I believe will change your life and change eternity. And that is put your life in God's hands. Now, I don't want to go into the rest of what we talked about because what I really want to do is shift the spotlight on your life. And look at my space. You know, look at the stuff that, that we wrestle with. And for us to realize that the only way out of folly, the only way out of the mess that we create is to put our life in God's hands, to give God his place in our space. I don't know about you, but I need the love of God at work in my life. I need the forgiving power of Jesus Christ in my life so I don't go around beating myself up all the time. And I need the strength of God at work in my space, in my life, on a daily, regular, moment-by-moment basis. Again, God wants to do more in your life than you could ever imagine. He wants to help you with my space, but you have to start by giving him a place. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, many of you have done that. You're a little further down the road. You, you've already given God a little, little space in your place, right? Many of you have acknowledged that God is the creator of the world. You, you trust God. You've given your life. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. But what do you do after that? I mean... How do you take the next step? Because what I want to do is give you the best counsel I can because I believe the best of life is in front of us and that God is the owner of that good fortune and future. You've got to become a person that seeks wisdom, that, that grows in wisdom. In other words, However long you've been walking with Jesus Christ, you should be able to look and see growth. You, we're looking for someone that has a passion for God's wisdom. If you're going to transition my space, those messes in your life, you have to pursue wisdom with a passion. That's the second step. Give your life to Christ and then begin to pursue God's wisdom. Now, how do you do that? Well, a couple things I, I think you, you've got to do in your life. 
One, you need to read God's word on a regular basis, on a daily basis. To read God's word, pray, and apply God's word. You know, it's two things there. Pray and apply after you've read. And I would suggest particularly the areas where you are folly prone, where you tend to trip up. We all have them. If you don't know what they are, ask your kids or ask your spouse, you know, where where are my biggest issues at? And after they give you a laundry list, you got something to work with. If you're not reading God's word on a regular basis, make this the time you start. In fact, I'll give you a place to start. Why don't you start with the book of Proverbs? It would be, it's the foundation for, for this series. A lot of things that we're going to talk about through this series are straight out of that book. And so use this as an opportunity to say, you know what? I'm going to start that. And what's interesting, Proverbs is 31 chapters. In other words, if you read a chapter a day, you could finish it in the month. It's an easy read. It's really practical. It's full of good advice. And it's stuff full of wisdom. The first nine chapters are Solomon's advice to his son. And because one of the areas Solomon got tripped up in was, was sexuality, he gives his son a couple chapters on just uh, avoiding immoral women and sexual traps and things that were going to trip him up. Now, what I want to say is don't get bogged down with those first chapters. If you are a person, you don't raise your hand on this, but if you're a person that you go, well, I get easily deterred and I might not follow through with reading all 31, then you have permission to skip to chapter 10. Just skip the first 10 chapters and start there because this is practical application stuff that applies to every one of us. It, it, it will fit your life, no matter where, what walk of life you're coming from or what your struggles, it will meet you because it's the MySpace stuff. Some of the stuff's funny. Some of it will cut you deep. The last seven chapters of the book deal with leadership. So those of you that lead people in in business or manager or whatever, it's a really good read. It'll teach you a lot about uh, how to to lead and to help people move to that next step. Again, back back to point. I kind of got off track there. But uh, if, if you take God's word and you read it, and then you pray and apply it, you have to kind of work through it. And here's what I mean. When I I was in college, and I think I've shared this with you before, I had a a professor, and he regularly got my face, you know, under my skin. But he was my favorite professor. Because I remember very distinctly him asking me to stay after class one day. And he got up in my grill big time. And he just said, you know what, Damon? You are a full throttle kind of guy. And you run hard and you run fast. And you're very impatient. And he says, you know, I believe that when you make gains, they'll they'll be big gains. But when you make mistakes, he says, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. And he says, I know that whatever you do, you're going to do it with a lot of velocity, a lot of of octane. And I remember him saying, 
If you don't remember anything else I've said, remember this. He says, read the book of Proverbs on a regular basis so that all that energy moves toward wisdom and toward God instead of toward the messes and the breakdowns of life. And that's what I've done regularly for 25 years. I go back and I reread and I go through. And here's what I, I, I've tried to apply God's word. Now my wife would tell you, not always successfully, but I've tried. And I believe God has honored that through the years. You know, I'm thankful for God's wisdom in the Bible. I'm thankful for a Holy Spirit that is there to prompt and to get in my head and my heart when I get a little off, off center. Those times when there's a mess just around the corner. But you have to let God's word infiltrate your life. Now, here's a specific challenge. Ask yourself these, these kinds of questions. Where are you folly prone? Where are you struggling? What are the things that mess you up, that trip you up? If you don't know what they are, ask someone that knows you really well and that loves you enough to tell you what they are. I mean, do you lose your temper easy? Are you a person that likes to shave the corners, you know, kind of shade the truth? Do you have relational difficulties? You battle pride? You know, in fact, if you're sitting there going, oh, I don't need this this morning... Pride's probably an issue. But where is it you are folly prone? Because I believe if you read the book of Proverbs, it'll speak to you like it spoke to me through the years. And what you should do is when you read a verse, you may go, eh, that doesn't apply to me. You know, it doesn't, I don't really have a problem there. Or it's not, not an area I struggle then fine, just keep reading. But when you run into that area that's in my space that you're struggling with, that gets in your grill, that says, you know what, I need to make some changes here, I would challenge you to reread that verse. And then if it's still kind of in your face a little bit, I would challenge you to write it down. Write it down on a, on a postcard. And put it on your dashboard or on the refrigerator or the mirror so that when you're up in the morning and you're getting ready, that it's there in front of you and cling to that truth like someone that's drowning in the sea would cling to a life preserver. Because I believe God's word, when you grab a hold of it and you let it get here, that what happens if you begin to allow God to work, God does serious work in my space, my life. Now, there's one more idea. You get into God's Word, so you give your life to Christ, spend time in God's Word, and then you need to hang out with wise people. You need to hang out with wise people. Proverbs 13.20 says, One who walks with wise people will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, I want to be really clear so that there's no misunderstanding about what God's word is saying and what it's not saying. God's word is saying that our closest friends, the people that we hang out with the majority of the time on a regular basis, the people that we seek counsel from, the ones that we're going to dump our hearts out there, 
should be people that are pursuing God. They're pursuing the wisdom of God. There are two things I find terribly problematic in the church. The first is Christians, okay, listen up Christians, that only connect with other Christians. We are called as a church, part of our DNA as, as a church is that we're to reach out to people outside the faith, people that don't know God, people that aren't walking with God, and that we should be talking and listening and connecting with people that are not Christian or practicing their faith. All right? And we all have people in our lives, whether it's at work or where you shop or whatever, that we need to connect with, but they should not be your closest friends. Does this make sense? The the fact is, they can't be your closest friends. The second thing I find problematic is the other end of this, and that is Christians that have no Christian friends. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've never seen this turn out well. It always turns out bad. You know, 1 Corinthians says, bad company corrupts good morals. The the fact is, what happens over time if you have no Christian friends and you just want to run with the crowd, pretty soon the crowd, no matter how good they are, will begin to influence MySpace in very problematic ways. I heard one time when I was growing up that you can't run with a bad set of dogs and not get fleas, you know. It's true. You know, you you can't. The fact is, I've seen people go down that road. And what happens is, over time, they abandon their values, they abandon their morals, and you say, yeah, but they're good people that I hang out. Well, what happens is you finally abandon your faith because you buy into this, oh, I'll just be good. All because you're in the wrong environment with the wrong people. And I've said this over and over. Who's strong enough? You strong enough? I'm not. Hang out with wise people. So understand the balance there. Not good if you look around and and you go, you know what? I don't have any any Christian friends. And the other end of it is it's kind of messed up if you can't think of someone that's not a Christian in your life. You're missing part of the mandate of reaching out to a lost world. So first step if you haven't given your life to Christ, you've got, to, you've got to give God, even if it's a little peace in your life, you've got to start there. Then you, it's the fear of God in a good way that's the beginning of wisdom because then we go, okay, God's got something to say. I need to listen. Second step, begin to read God's word. Pray, apply it, allow it to, to become part of your life and then Look at the groups you hang out with, because if you hang around with silly people, you'll become silly. You just will. It's just a fact. Through this series, like I said, this is kind of the setup. You have to buy into the fact that God really has the best wisdom. Otherwise, it really doesn't matter what we talk about. But what we're going to do in this is break things out. Next week, our focus, we're going to talk about vocation and work. When we say mine, that's messed up. Because God says, you know what, I need my place in that space.
called vocation. 